Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 KSRQ-FM. We're available beyond the FM dial. You can check out Wrestling Memories live and in the moment at RadioNorthland.org. Uh, yes, not only can you listen to us live, but if you missed this episode, if you missed the, you know, the first run of this uh, edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now, you can go there, archives, we got it all, eight plus years of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. And, oh, yes, the message yet to come. We're available, too, on the TuneIn app if you want to listen live on your smartphone. Well, hi, my name is Glenn Broggett, by the way, your host, or one of the hosts of this uh, fine little production, alongside the man down there in the, the home studio. Uh, no mobile this week uh, for the Grizzled Vet, Mike McCurdy. Hey, Mike. Nope, no mobile studio today, man. I am nice and, you know, nestled in the home studio here today. So, yeah. Just finished a little bit of Christmas shopping, and now I'll get to do some good interviews. Oh, yes, yes. The holiday season is here and upon us. Christmas is getting real close at the time of this uh, interview. About what? About a week away from Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah, yeah. For the procrastinators, they got uh, one more weekend before they uh, definitely, uh, definitely it comes to an end. But uh, did you, uh, I mean, for me, I got my stuff done like right after Thanksgiving. I'm like, I'm getting it over with, man. I went out and got it done today. <laughs> I gave myself a week, but I got a couple little things to pick up, you know, but we'll be good by Christmas. Well, you made it before the we'll be good by Christmas day. You made it before the deadline really in essence. So, well, you there know, we you, you're definitely earned uh, a good, uh, little, a little respite from the shopping and all of that with uh, an hour long conversation about pro wrestling. And yeah, we got a good guest this uh, fine uh, day and you definitely booked a solid one, uh, Mike. Oh yeah, man. I'm looking forward to this guest. You know, I've had a chance to work a few shows with him uh, here in the Texas area. I've always enjoyed my conversations with one thing. Our listeners are going to find out this man shoots straight from the hip. He oh. ain't going to, he, as he told me, he don't sugarcoat nothing. I love it. I love it. I love it. We're going to hear from him. I mean, I, I first saw him uh, in, I do believe it was uh, on world champ, one of, a world championship wrestling episode, uh, Saturday edition. I think it must've been a Saturday when they still did the Saturday mornings back summer, 1985. And, uh, I've been watching them ever since following him, not only through, uh, um, you know, through world championship wrestling and WA, uh, the Crockett's, uh, also he did a, had a really good run, uh, in world class. He worked for Bill Watts on a couple of different occasions, both mid South and the universal wrestling federation. He was in championship wrestling from Florida. Uh, he he got uh, his handle from the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. He's done a lot of cool things. He's he's worked with WCW. He's worked WWF. This man's been everywhere. He had a chance to be uh, at the right place at the right time. And as far as the you know the territory days, he got to see kind of the last few years of him uh, working up and down the country and even internationally. He's here today to talk with us, and it's always good uh, to bring in a, a, a great veteran of the Matt Wars. And boy, he's got a story to tell. So I don't want to uh, hold it up any longer. Down there deep in the heart of Texas, a big wrestling memories then and now. Welcome to Black Bart. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, hey guys. Y'all, y'all, Bill, y'all, I don't, I hope I can live up, I hope I can live up to y'all's, uh, y'all's, uh, uh memories of me and, and, uh, uh I mean, I, 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 I will do my best to, uh, to, to live up to it, uh. You, you, you talk about the uh, the the territories and the, the, I, I felt like I was right in the middle of, of of when the territories were. I mean, they were on fire. Hell yeah! I spent my I spent my I, I spent my main stay was 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 the the old NWA and mm-hmm. and when it, it changed WCW 
And uh, I mean, we seemed like we was in a we was in cars. We was in a car every every day. Every day we was in a car. And uh, if we wasn't booked, if we wasn't booked that if we wasn't booked that night, we was getting to the town for the next day. And it was it was uh, traveling in cars and 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 everything. And then uh, Dusty 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 come and told us that you know it's it's fixing to be. You know, TV and and pay per view and and we we said yeah right. I mean, we was doing we was doing you know hundred thousand hundred thousand miles a year e- easy easy in a car. You know, not that ain't. And then brother, we started Crockett Crockett bought them planes. Okay, he he bought he bought an A team plane and a B team plane and. From from the A team to the B team meant you was in the, the angles with Dusty Rhodes and and the Four Horsemen, or you was in the the, the angles with Ronnie Garvin and the I want to I want to it's kind of the way we 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 but you made good money no matter what so mm-hmm. it was and it, and, it, and, it, and it got to the point where we was we was getting up at four o'clock in the morning and and to get to the get to the airplane to get to the learjet to get to the learjet to get to the building and rent a car and drive you know and it it, it, it seemed it seemed like to me it was just it just engulfed us it just and i mean and and then and then you throw in you throw in you, th- you you throw in all the other extras the women the drugs and and the, you know, and it was it was a wild, wild ride, brother. Uh, it was it was unbelievably. Uh, um, it sounded like one hell of a ride, uh, especially again. You talked about the travel and the places you needed to make and the spots you needed to hit, and a lot of uh, time in the vehicle, of course, uh, you know, and the plane as well. And for you, when your career, what you you started getting into the business, what around mid nineteen seventies, according to uh, some of the research I've been doing, is is that true? Uh, oh, when, when, about, about when I travel, okay, I I I I wanted, I tried, I tried it's back then it was really really hard to get into into the business okay i mean you had to you had to go train and you had to train for like a year and two years and then after after two or three years of training you if you didn't know the right people you you still didn't get in you know know? Mm -hmm. and it was it took it, it was i was i was trained by by john shaw uh, which his wrestling name back in the '40s and '50s was was uh, Ivan the Terrible, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Buddy Bullformer and, and J- Jack Kennedy and uh, them them three guys were my were the guys that trained me. Okay, uh, one of them, Kennedy, would just walk around the ring in the in the practice area with a nine foot water hose. And if you reached out and touched the ropes or done anything to you, know, he would smack you with that water hose. You know. And that, that's just an ideal of the. And, and now it seems like now it seems like you, they they teach you a side headlock or side headlock take take down and they you're in the ring mm-hmm. in front of a crowd wrestling. But and it was hard. It was hard back then. To harder back then than now is what is you know is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I I, I watched uh, I I watched the programs. And I try to keep up with the programs that's uh, that's on the air and everything. And, and, and you don't. 
I don't want to say nothing, I, and I'm not. I'm not saying nothing bad about none of these, none of the guys in the ring. But some of them, and some of the women, they need to go back to school and learn how to work. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's that's just that's just the honest to God's truth. And I mean, I was just watching uh, uh, AEW, and I, I record it, and then I, I look at the match, and I look at the the players in the match, and 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 it's like it's like what am I, you know? And I fast forward, I fast forward to it, you know, mm-hmm. because and it's nothing, you know, it's it's not really their fault. It's the fault. It's the, it's the fault lies of the people that are training them. Say, okay, you're ready to go, you know, and you really. You really ain't ready to go, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, to get a to get a to get a shot in WWF or it's WWE now to get a shot to get a shot to go there was in my day was that was that was icing on the cake. That was that was you 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 got to eat your you got to eat your to to have your cake and eat it too, mm-hmm. you know. If you got to go up there. It was it was a it, one of my main goals was wrestling Madison Square Garden, okay? Yeah. And it was it was great and it was fantastic and all that, but the building and the fans was such a letdown. We had to park five blocks away from the building, and then if the fans found your car or your vehicle or whatever, your rent a car, they you come back out there after the match, it'd be flipped upside down. <laughs> if you was a heel, yeah, and you didn't have to have no heat, you didn't have to have no heat. You did this, this just opening the card or middle of the card, just being a bad a guy. If you was a heel, yeah, you, and and you had to fight your way to the building. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And it was such a, I, I, I guess I wrestled Madison Square Gardens nine or ten times, maybe twelve times, mm-hmm. and it just got <laughs> this spiral downhill, you know, mm-hmm. and. And 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 the fans up there so dead gum. Uh, what's the word? The fans up there, and I'm not knock. I'm not knocking. <laughs> here again, I'm not knocking nobody. I'm not saying nothing bad, but they they sit on their hands. And you can drive a Mack truck over somebody, and they don't. There's no reaction, you know. And that was a you, you go out there in the in the ring and you bust your butt trying to get a pop. Trying to get a trying to get a reaction, and they're just they're sitting on their hands, you know, because they've seen so much. They this, and it, and now, and God, I, you know, and I, I keep going. I'm on, and I'm probably going to keep going back to this, but now the matches, you you see a match, you watch a match, and say it's a ten minute match. Well, they choreographed the match in the back since seven or eight o'clock that morning. Okay. And it's eight or nine o'clock at night, and they've been going over this match step by step by step by step by step, and it's it's a uh, man. There, one of the one of the ones that stick out in my mind the most, the big dog, and he's in a, he's in like a battle royal or something like that. But there's fifteen or twenty guys on the floor, and and they're all like in a V, like like uh, pinball, like. Bowling like pins and bowling, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all sitting there. And the big dog goes over the top rope and jumps, hits the guy, hits hits maybe two or three guys right in the front because he's you know he's six six or six five or whatever. But thirty guys fall, 
<laughs> you understand? Oh, yeah. And they're out there with their arms in the catching position, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> waiting for him to come over that top rope. And, what? you know, it's just, it's, and, and okay, it's, but it's, it's, and it's one high spot, one high spot, one high spot after another, one high spot after another. And then they do, they do a small package. For the one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you, you know what? what oh, oh, I'm absolutely. But you know what? That that thing you you know you talked about that dive. But that that thing. Jim Ross just recently uh, made some news because he he was criticizing uh, even some of the people within the AEW who who, who do that 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 spot and, and basically calling that spot pretty much a ridiculous thing using different language, of course. But you, yeah, when you talk about it, it's like yeah, yeah. You're, they're all just set up waiting for it, and then they. All fall. I don't get that. Even the ones in the back who weren't even hit by anything, and, and you know, and you get sometimes you get a guy, you get a guy that's about one hundred seventy pounds. You won't, you won't never ever hear me agree with very much that Jim Ross says. Uh huh. And I, I can tell you some stories about Jim Ross, but and, and uh, but he's absolutely right. And I just that's the program that I just watched. I recorded it and wa- just watched it. This morning, and I, I I I couldn't. There was a little. You could catch. You can you could catch a little bit of that. Uh, the tone that 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 Tony, and the, boy, these see. I go back with them guys. Iron Anderson. I, I go all. I, I don't. I don't know. But I get. I get. I get. I get highly highly peed. About st- about about Iron Anderson, uh, Tully Blanchard, uh, 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 Tony Savalas, so, so and I may I may have his name so, Tony. You know who I'm talking about? Shivani, yeah. The damn announcer, Jr. Okay, and you know I'm not, and I'm not one to, uh, <laughs> and but brother, I, I get so I get so upset and and, and po'd. That the that the that that you know the stuff that they that they done, the stuff that they. Uh, Tony, I'm 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 gonna get Tony out to I'm gonna get Tony out to and I'm got and and they, okay any talk anything about your program any you know it, it's good because it's advertisement right, but I ain't I ain't talking about these guys because of because of Dustin Dustin Dustin. Dusty Rhodes and I trained Dusty Rhodes. I trained Dusty Rhodes for four and a half years. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm I don't mean to be dropping names, but this is this is this this is my life. This is what I done. You understand what I'm saying? This is what I did. This is what I done. And and to okay on on Tony on Tony back to Tony on Tony. He he. He sits there and he's on. He's doing a, a, a podcast. I guess it's what it's called on the on the internet, on Facebook, or wherever wherever the damn thing is airing. And he's saying how he's calling me a stupid sob. He's calling me all kinds of names because I'm I, I get sauce. Well, back in the day, brother, when you was asked to get sauce, that was the greatest honor that they could ask you to do. You understand? And not didn't have a damn thing to do with money. It was an honor and a privilege 
to do that, okay? And that's the way I felt about it, and that's the way I was trained. When a promoter or a booker walked up to you and said, Barton, we want you to get color, then that was, you was there. Didn't make it have no The belts and all that, they're, they're, they're given to you. They're, they're, because they have, they think. But anyway, Tony, back when he was starting, back when he was trying to get in the position to announce, to do the announcing, he would, he would, he would, he he would have come in and cleaned the damn commodes in the toilets in the in the, in, the, in the dressing rooms just to get in, okay? And pretty much so with any of all, any of us, you know. And I ain't saying that's bad, but what I'm saying is, and then Tony sits there and he's bad mouthing, calling me sob and all kinds of names and how stupid I was and how dumb I was. Tony, Tony. Tony needs to think about his beginnings, okay? That's that's where I'm getting. Iron Anderson. Iron Anderson and me were probably the best of friends. Best of friends. If you can have a friend in the business, okay? It's very, very hard to have a friend in the business. Me and Maniac Mike Davis were friends. We were friends. But Iron Anderson says... You know, he's got all these uh, these uh, shoot interviews. Well, I do too, brother, and I got more coming, okay? I got a bunch more coming. But that's yeah, that Iron Anderson is in Pensacola, Florida, with Bullet Bob Armstrong. Bullet Bob Armstrong puts an Alabama heavyweight belt on me. I'm getting a, I'm getting a little push. Iron Anderson is with Pete and Jerry Stubbs wrestling under a hood. Well, I see him in the dressing room, and I say, "Man, you look like the Andersons." I said, "You need to, you need to get send a tape to the Carolinas. Send a tape to the Carolinas with your interviews and your matches without the hood, and and send them, send them to Dusty Rhodes in care of." But I was Rick, I was I was Rick Harris back then, okay, in care of Rick Harris. Dusty Rhodes had just come in. I, he had come in, come back. We had we had left. Went we went to we went to Florida. We did Florida. Went back. Went back to the went back to the Carolinas. There's a tape of Iron. Iron says, I, Dusty calls me in. He says, "You know this guy?" I said, "Yeah." There's your there's your revamp to to Ole and and, uh, and Gene Anderson. Iron has got a. It's got a story uh, how Ric Flair did, you know, not me, not me, not me. And and I hope he hears this. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get it across to him. I've got a shoot interview that ain't out yet on this very subject about iron. i got another one on, on Tony <laughs> sitting right here in my living room with it coming. I don't know if y'all, you guys have seen any of, any of them yet. J.R. was... He when I when I went into middle when I went into mid south, he I, I went in as Hangman Rick Harris uh, with Akbar Devastation Inc. Uh, one man me and one man gang uh, against uh, I was against Murdoch and uh, Captain Redneck. Uh, we did this spot where I, I hung Murdoch and, and gang was supposed to come out 
and really pick him up off the floor, keep him from hanging, right? But he he gang slipped, slipped on on the on the concrete floor, and <coughs> damn near killed Murdoch. <laughs> Man, Akbar couldn't turn the rope loose inside the ring. We had him thrown over the top rope. Gang was supposed to come pick him up and take the weight off. Gang slipped, so we're holding Gang and <laughs> damn near killed Murdoch. But uh, Jr. And 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 Jr. and I and I and I never, but Jr. would sell stuff to the guys, and then call and then call, uh, uh, call and 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 stooge them off. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? I mean, mm-hmm. he would sell the stuff, whatever it was, uh, 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 steroids. Uh, uh, marijuana, cocaine, whatever it was, and he would sell it to the boys or get it for the boys, and then tell it, tell tell uh, Bill Watts uh, who was doing it. <laughs> now, with that being with that being said, all them names, it, it all goes back. I would I wouldn't trust Jr. as far as I can throw him, and I know he he went to be he was the booker of the of the biggest territory ever. And all that, but the truth is, that's what he did. Now he he probably changed, or I, I'm sure that he wouldn't have got the the deals that he got. But anyway, with that, with, you know, with that, with that being said, you know, that with that stuff being said, you know, I, but because they were brought up, I don't know if I brought them up or y'all brought them up, but I don't, I don't, I don't. And I, I told you I don't candy coat. I don't candy coat nothing. It's, I, I'm going to tell you the truth, and that's the way it is. And, and uh, the one thing I want to get—I'm trying to get across to all the fans, because on these shoot interviews, they, this is my living room. This is where I live. I mean, this is my house. Well, I built—I built the the insides. I put floor. I put floors down. I put new new flooring, new floor panelings and stuff, and. I built these shelves and everything in my in my house. Well, they saying they're saying stuff on there about the the comments about I look like I live in a barn uh, uh, about my teeth. You know, when I wrestle, brothers, you got your teeth sometimes knocked down your throat, and you had to you had to shake it off and keep going. You know, <laughs> and and uh, I did I didn't we I don't have the money. I don't have the I don't I don't have the money. I'm getting them done, but I got it's it's a slow process because of the the way the insurance is and the way the uh, the the money flows and the money don't flow, you know. So it's taking a while to get them done. Well, they're making cracks about my teeth, about everything else, and on there sometimes they're making cracks about I was a jobber, that I was the middle of the card. That I, I, that I, and 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 I, one thing I'm trying to get out to the to the fans is until you walk a mile in the dude's shoes, y'all not badmouth him. You understand what I'm saying? Until until you know exactly what you're talking about, y'all not badmouth the guy. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because because. That it could come back and bite you in the ass. Now, with that being said, 
you know, I'm working on I'm working on my teeth. I'm trying to, we're trying to get I'm trying to get them done, but that really it it's very very hurtful. You understand what I'm saying? It's and 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 I tried to entertain everybody, and you know, the wrestling business is a work. Back then, we covered that up when we took care of the business. If we didn't take care of the business, we were fired. You didn't have a job. You didn't feed your family. You went home with no check. You went home with no money. <clears throat> but the thing, the thing, that that you know, I guess I'm trying to get to, until you, you know, you badmouth somebody, you talk about somebody, know that it's the truth, and that will set you. That will that will that will that will. That will I want to say set you free, but that our truth, brother, says that, and I don't want to. I don't. <laughs> I don't wanna, but. It's 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 very very it's it's it, 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 it's it can be very very hurtful, like Tony calling me an sob and calling me all kinds of names, and uh, that I'm stupid and I'm I'm ignorant and I'm dumb and and I ain't brother I'm I am highly educated, but that ain't nobody's business but mine. That the thing. Uh, if you can't, if you can't, if it, if it's the truth, okay, say it. But if it ain't the truth, and you're just making fun of somebody, that's just hurtful. That's just hurtful. And it, it's really, that's really pounding on me and hitting me, you know, to to that somebody that we helped back in the day get into business. If we hadn't helped him, he would have never got into business. That's what he needs to be. Say- that's what he needs to be saying. Hey, old Bart was a pretty good dude. He helped me. He helped me out. Well, I want to bring uh, it into the conversation. Uh, well, well, Bart uh, uh, replenishes. Boy, that was a heck of a <laughs> heck of a first segment. But we're going to bring it over now to uh, Mike McCurdy. And Mike, I know you've got plenty for uh, for Bart here in the second half of Rasslin Memories then and now. Oh, definitely, man. I'm just enjoying sitting here listening to. Uh, you know, Bart tell his stories. Cause like you said, you know, I've worked, I've worked on shows with Bart and all that. And I've always enjoyed talking to him backstage. Cause like you said, he does, he'll tell you the truth. You ask him a question, he's going to give you an honest answer. And, you know, I appreciate that. I can say that I've actually learned a few things um, from listening to Bart at the, uh, at the shows that I've had a chance to work with him at. I appreciate but one thing I'd like to talk about Bart, and we've had this conversation before is, you know, you know, you work Florida, you work mid South. You also here in Texas, you worked in the, uh, in the world-class territory, but it wasn't when it was world-class championship wrestling. You came in in about 86 when it was world-class wrestling association. And if you talk to guys like Johnny Mantell and all that, he'll tell you it was a different, you know, it was a different group back then. He'll, he'll tell you that one. Um, but you were the world-class wrestling association champion. You won the belt in Los Angeles uh, against Chris Adams, but there is a story behind this that, you know, I know you have told before, but I think our listeners might be a little interested in hearing kind of your run in world-class and your run as the uh, heavyweight champion. That's a, that's a whole segment, <laughs> but I, you know, I started, you know, I, I, like I said, when I, I trained and, 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 and I, I, the guy that trained me, the main guy was John Shaw. He was, he trained, he also trained George George uh, Scott, which at the time George Scott was the big time booker. 
okay, WWF, WWF uh, the NWA, he was big time. And he had come to Texas to take over the book for Fritz, okay? And he knew that he, 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 he got... He got me started out in out in the Carolinas, all right, because he was a booker. He was the boss because of John Shaw. But when I come when I come back home to Dallas, uh, uh, I, I, the first my first shot was Real, Real Rogers Coliseum in uh, in Fort Worth, which is a any place else, this would be. This is a giant, giant building. I don't know if you've ever been there, Mike, but uh, big, giant building in in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Now they built. They yeah, I've been to Will Rogers. Yeah, you can you can put. There's another. They built another stadium that you can put five five Will Rogers in inside this one. But anyway, I, my first night back after after <clears throat> I had come, I had I had. Got a, I had been pushed in other territories. I had been pushed on Atlanta TV. I had been a national heavyweight champion. I've been, I had been, I had been uh, all the all the belts were held out in in Florida. Uh, world tag team back, me and Bass, world tag team, JJ Dillon, the whole nine yards, uh, Mid Atlantic, all that, uh, all the Mid Atlantic belts, uh, the national and. The, I think I was brass. No, I, it don't matter. <clears throat> I come back, okay. Well, I set my bag down in Fort, at Fort Worth at Real Rogers Coliseum. I mean, I dropped my bag down on the floor, and George Scott comes in, and drops the world strap on top of my bag, and says, "You're the champ." I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, 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 wait!" I mean, I, I, I me and him, he's got history, you know. I said, wait, 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 no, I got no TV, I got no, and you know, Channel 11 was hot. If you, if you was on Channel 11 in Texas, brother, it was like being on TBS, but not the, not the same, you understand what I'm saying? But the same. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, no, you're the hottest thing I got. You are the hottest thing I got. You're the champ. Bam. And. When he done, you know the the the, the towns around that we they wrestled we wrestled every night. No 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 day off. We wrestled every night. The buildings was averaging maybe fifteen to fourteen hundred dollars a, a night. Okay, and that was bad. This is after the Freebirds and the Von Erichs and. Von Eric's no showing and 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 the whole nine you know the whole nine yards and that of that story and the, and their life and all that but anyway uh, I'm in an angle with Kevin and I wrestled Kevin for 13 months and we wind up in the sold out Cotton Bowl but when we started brother there was they they wouldn't draw a penny. They were barely paying. They were barely paying their bills and barely paying their guys. But they brought in the right people. Percy Pringle, which was Paul Bear, okay, he was my manager. Uh, they brought in Matt Matt Bourne, but the, the, they were already here. Buzz Sawyer, Matt Bourne, RPMs, Mike Davis, and Tommy Lane. <clears throat> Brody 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 was in and out a, a lot. He was in the angle with uh, with uh, Abby. 
and that that was very very helpful on drawing on drawing a house. But Abby, you couldn't use Abby constant in a territory because of, of his gimmick. But uh, <clears throat> uh, the Simpsons, I, I'm trying not to forget nobody that was uh, I called him my supporting card because that's the way I was trained. If he was in a main event, everything underneath it was support to you to to draw a house. Well, within 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 about four months, five months, we was averaging we was averaging like like ten grand, ten seven times seven 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 days a week. Okay, now we had some fall offs every now and then, but there was this towns that wasn't wasn't getting the 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 main feed, and uh, they you know they. There's something. There's a deal on there. I, I, I've seen on 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 the, the other day. I've seen where there's somebody. Uh, there's some like I held. I held that belt like like up for a month. Okay. And when I see stuff like that, it just pisses me off because I, brother, I I, I fought Kevin Von Erich. I I fought him for thir- over 13 months. Okay. And this was you know. And it was not it was not easy, even though it was it was supposed to be a work with the Von Erichs. It's not a work with the Von Erichs. You have to go in the ring and you get beat up and you have to beat them up, or they don't even think they've been in a match, okay? Because the because the, uh, the it snowed on them. It snowed on them a lot. <laughs> but it anyway. There's the uh, the stories, you know. The, I, I I wrestled Kevin. I wrestled Kevin one match. I I remember it like it was yesterday. It was in Real Rogers. It was in Real Rogers Coliseum. <clears throat> I hit him. The, the finish was Akbar throws me the Brandon iron. I hit him with my Brandon iron across his skull, and uh, he goes down, covering one, two, three. I toss the well, I toss the Brandon iron back to Akbar, and then fall on him one, two, three. Right. I hit him with the brand iron. It was like it was like uh, it was like nothing. It was like a fly had landed on him. And I said, "Well, I'll hit him again, brother, and you know it'll be a little bit harder." And uh, nothing, still nothing. I hit him the third time. When I hit him the third time, I knocked him smooth out, smooth out. I fell on him one, two, three. Tossed, tossed the brand iron back to Akbar. Fell on him one, two, three, and it's. I live about from Fort Worth. I live probably an hour. By the time I got home, my phone was ringing. It was Fritz. What are you trying to do? Kill my boy? I said, if you'd have done some of that when he was a little bit younger, maybe he'd turned out a little bit better. I, would, I figured I'd get fired, but Fritz didn't fire me for some, because we was we was doing so we was doing so well. Uh, stuff like that, you know. Uh, Another time we was, I was of course I was wrestling Kevin again. It was, a, it was in a little spot show out uh, south of here, and uh, we had to walk across this concrete uh, garage. It was like maybe two, two, three football fields uh, wide, okay. And we had to walk across to get in to go down inside the building, uh, and and we we. We we got in there. The main event sold out. It just sold slap dab out. As soon as he stepped in there, he says, "Let's go home." I said, "No, brother." I said, "We're not going home." Are you kidding me? 
you know, I said, and it was a, it was a screw, you know, where I, I beat him somehow, so slipping on a banana peel or whatever, <clears throat> building up to the cotton bowl. Everything was building up to the cotton bowl. This that night, I, I just, I, I beat the live, I beat the living pee out of him. I mean, I just beat him and beat him, beat and then beat him one, two, three. I got back to the dressing room when I opened the dressing room because I didn't think he was going to make it across that, across that parking lot. I, I, and he didn't. He got about halfway, and he collapsed. And George Scott went and <laughs> straddled him and started paintbrushing him. Pow, 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 wake up, you son of wake up, you so Because he didn't want him to die. <laughs> he got him up and got him back to the dressing room. But I, I don't know, simple, silly, silly, I guess it's silly stuff, but <laughs> brother, it was a fight. It was a fight for me. Every every step step of the way with them with them with the with the Von Erics. and then and then you know we wind up we wind up you know in in the we wind up in the Cotton Bowl and you know I I saying sold out Cotton Bowl wait a minute you know that place that is huge that's huge you know sold out Cotton but what a he just they just rent like a quarter of that of the bowl. Of the of the bowl, down in the end where they where the where the play where the football players come out, they set the ring up right there, and then it's it's not the whole, they don't rent the whole bowl, anyway, and we sold that out and uh, we wind up we wind up there and uh, and I don't I don't mean to, but uh, it's drizzling rain, it's it's like forty five degrees, uh, and and. We get there like ten o'clock that morning. The show, you know, don't start till seven or eight o'clock that night. But brother, it's cold. cold. He he comes out there in a pair of briefs and barefooted. You know, that's the way he comes to the ring. And uh, he stepped the rope and said, "Let's go home." And I said, "Well, we'll go home when I get ready to go home." Because that's the night I was dropping the belt back to him. And uh, uh, Fritz was at ringside. I think Kerry. Was at ringside. I think Kerry. I think yeah. Kerry was. I think Kerry come out. Uh, it was in the beginning of the deal. I, I tell a story about this. Is a story about Fritz. I, I Fritz is sitting at a table beside the ring, and I walk. I'm, I'm going around and around the ring, waiting on Kevin. But I kick it. I kick it, Fritz. Right. I kick at him. And I walk back around. I kick at him again. But I kick at him about three times. Well, that, that fourth time I come around, brother, and you got to understand that that Fritz was like a god to me. Okay, he hung the moon. He the sun comes up because Fritz said it come up. Okay, and and he stood up on that apron, brother, and all he did is stick that hand up in the uh, that claw. To stick it straight up in the air, and that place went nuts. And I first thing that entered my mind was back when I was a kid, he had put the claw. They put out that he put the claw on Bull Curry, and pop and pop Bull Curry's skull. Okay, and what happened? He was in a car crash, and it busted. And, and but that they, they showed the picture of his uh, his uh, his uh, Bull Curry's uh, skull. Uh, like laid over, grow you know, grow back together, but like laid over, like cracked. And that's that's I said, if he puts that claw on me, 
he liable, I'm liable to be the same way. <laughs> you know, and and I I walked back. I got close enough to Fritz. I said, Fritz, if you just sit back down, brother. I, I won't I won't kick at you. I won't say nothing else to you. I have nothing but respect and love for you. Just sit back down and let me fight your son. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that was a cotton bow. Uh, I, and I and I have I have uh, fond memories of all of it. But when I come up, when I knew I was coming back, and I knew that I was going to wind up in the ring with the with with the Von Erichs, I didn't know which one. I think Kerry was still alive. I think David, not David. David was gone. I was, David and me go back to uh, Japan when uh, he was over there, and uh, uh, I think I think uh, all the younger ones were all still alive <clears throat> when this happened, and uh, he he. Uh, he, uh, they, they, they. I didn't know. I didn't know exactly which one, but I knew that I was going. And me and me and Terry, me and Terry Gordy was was very very good friends, and they had just left here, and I asked him. I said, "What is it? What What do you got to do, Terry, to get?" He said, "Bart, you got to get in the ring, and it's a fight every night, and it's a fight for your life, and you got to fight that way every night." And that's the way it was in Japan at the time. You had to get in the ring and just beat the living heck out of them over there. And I, I'd made three. I'd been over there three times, so it wasn't no big deal for me. You know, I didn't mind. I, I thought it was funny. <laughs> but the uh, the uh, to, to call to, to that's and it, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. To call somebody a jobber, you know, a jobber, you wouldn't have no superstars if it wasn't for the jobbers. And I started out a jobber, and then I went to middle card, and then I went to the main event, and I, that's where I pretty much stayed ever since. And for 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 in, in in that order, I mean, I was a jobber for I was a jobber for seven, almost seven and a half years. Dusty Rhodes said we were going back to the Carolinas and was taking the Carolinas over. I said I said Dusty, I can't go back up. I said man. I'm, I've done nothing but jobs up there. He said they will not remember, and he was—I mean, brother—they—they they don't remember. They remember seeing you on TV. They remember that you was a wrestler. That's what they remember. They don't remember, you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if if uh, if there was if there was. Uh, if they, if they were, that was my, that was my favorite time of my whole career. Is that that seven or eight years? Uh, every every Wednesday night in Raleigh, North Carolina, I put Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant over that I could have whipped in 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 eight seconds, but I put him over, and the match was him shoot me off, hit me with the elbow. Hit, drop the elbow on me, cover, do the dance, cover me one, two, three. That was the match, and I've done that for like almost almost four years straight, straight running. They're trying to run me off, make me leave. We mentioned Dusty Rhodes a lot uh, during this interview. Um, Dusty Rhodes actually, you know, before this, he said you worked as Hangman Harris, uh, Man Mountain Harris. Dusty named you. How did he come up with the name? How did he, how did you come up with Black Bart? Because, I mean, growing up, that's how I know you. I've always known you as Black Bart, you know, world-class, global, WWF, everything. You know, how did Dusty come up with that? And I like, because that seems to be, was 
kind of gold for you. I was, yeah, when I was in Pensacola, I was working for uh, Bob Armstrong, and uh, he was a booker, and and uh, Ron Fuller was the owner. The Fullers owned the Pensacola territory. Well, I had I had run across paths with Dusty several times, and we were beer drinking buddies, and 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 and. We were, we were. If you, if you can, if you can have a friend, he was, he was, he was my friend. But he was the main eventer, and I was the jobber. I was a jobber. But he, he seen in me what nobody else, you know. That's he called me, and I was in Pensacola when when Bob Armstrong put that Alabama heavyweight belt on me as the first belt I ever got, the first one they ever entrusted in me, and he said, Bart, I want you to. Pack your bags and bring your butt to Tampa, Florida, and and uh, I want you to I'm going to I'm going to put you with uh, Ron Bass, J.J. Dillon, the Long Riders, and your name is going to be Black Bart. And he he told me a cowboy hat, the uh, the coat, the the whips, the ropes, the Brandon Iron. The, well, the Brandon Iron was George Scott. That that wasn't Dusty, but. <clears throat> uh, Dusty was the the real that you could actually take and ropes rope a cow or or use a whip, you know. And does and and brother, when he done that, uh, he he I told him, you know I, I said brother, he said just just do like I asked, just come on. And I didn't I to be honest with you, I didn't even know there was a territory in 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 Tampa, out of Tampa. But there was <laughs> a good one too, brother. Uh and 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 uh he he pretty he pretty much gave me that name and uh I'll tell you another one he almost gave me that a lot of people don't know about is we was when when I was Black Bart in WWF, Dusty was up there with the polka dots with the doing uh doing that doing that gimmick that, that Vince that Vince tried to kill him tried to kill him and Vince Dusty got it over and got it going and got <laughs> nothing but money. But he called he called me up there and said, uh, uh, "I know we've had this talk before, but would you be would you consider changing your gimmick?" And I said, uh, "Yeah, I would consider I would consider changing my gimmick." And uh, because I knew he was a he was a mastermind, he was a. He named he named all the big shows. He named he he named he he was a mastermind at it. He was he was he, oh man he was unbelievable at angles and gimmicks and stuff. He said uh, he laid di- he laid this dude out in on the table in the in the in the uh, in the motel room hotel room and uh, had the hat had the had the uh, had a long leather jacket, uh, The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, The Undertaker. He said, would you do this gimmick? And I said, yes, I would. Of course, I had the long hair and the beard and, and, and all that. And Mark, <laughs> Mark, I knew Mark, you know, and Mark, of course, he, he Dusty went to Vince McMahon with it, but Vince McMahon had, uh, had, uh, he didn't. The only reason I was up there to be showed how much money I could have made if I'd have went up there when Vince McMahon wanted me to come up there, not when Black Bart wanted to come up there. 
when Vince McMahon wanted me to come up there, okay? And the next Wednesday, we did TVs on Wednesdays. <clears throat> the next TVs, there's Mark, there's, uh, there's Mark the Taker, and, and Paul Byer and doing that gimmick. And it was off. <laughs> Dusty actually offered it to me first. And, I, you know, I kind of like that part. See, me and Mark goes back to Tennessee territory when he was uh, he was actually Jerry Lawler would draw all these monsters up: Frankenstein, Wolfman, the 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 the, the, the like them, and put and put him in that in that in that gimmick and make him you know <clears throat> wrestle. Well, Mark lived with me. Dusty Rhodes lived with me. Dirty white boy and dirty white girl lived with me. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's pretty good, pretty good household right there, brother. We all lived in the same apartment, with me and my wife and my little girl, Jessalyn. <laughs> so you know, pretty, pretty good, pretty good uh, mess of guys right there. So yeah. Uh, okay, Bert. Um, I'm gonna say right now one. I'm definitely I'm extending the invitation to have you uh, come back on again because we've just barely touched like your career and I know from sitting in the in the dressing room with you you've got a lot of stories you can share with our listeners but I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn for the final segment of our show and we're wrapping up this edition of Wrestling Memories then and now a big thank you to Black Bart and of course my co-host Grizzled Vet Mike McCurdy for both of them I'm Glenn Broggett so long for now.